Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where we long for the good old days, where if you broke a deal, then you just faced the wheel. While we're watching Mad Max Fury Road one minute at a time, I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 56, which begins with Furiosa tossing the SKS into the back seat, and it ends with a Morton Joe close behind the war rig. Close behind our war rig are Andy Nelson and Pete Wright from the Next Real Film Podcast and the Marvel Movie Minute. Thanks for having us back, guys. We're back, and I don't know if you remember, but I was on the episodes where we were spinning the wheel and making a deal. Oh, those were simpler times. <laughs> those were. <laughs> simpler. Everything was laid out for us ahead of time. We didn't have to do all this weird guesswork. There was no who's chasing who through a canyon. It's just, hey, auntie, the deal's been broken. We got to handle this. <laughs> Let's bring out the wheel. <laughs> Although in Thunderdome, it was Auntie who was saying, hey, a deal that I made was broken. But, you know, uh, uh, specific specifics. <laughs> Semantics. Exactly. <laughs> when we last joined Furiosa on Monday, she had a motorcycle flying at her face. And so she ducks down into the rig. And what I like about the top of this minute is if you look through the window past Furiosa, you can see that motorcycle fall down past the window <laughs> and Such bounce off nice to the touch. side. <laughs> And Max watching it do so. <laughs> right. as, as if to say, where did that come from? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, that's sort of, I feel like that's sort of Tom Hardy's experience with this movie, is just trying to answer that question, where did that come from? <laughs> just about every scene I can think of, you could pause it and then just have Ron Howard come in and voice over and be like, yep, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> And then just launch into a voiceover there. But Furiosa is not worried about references to Ron Howard voiceovers. She is more interested in getting this rifle reloaded. And considering that Max is driving, she tosses that rifle into the back seat and yells, reload the clip. And the gun lands very squarely in Ang Herod's lap. And she picks it up, not really sure what she's looking at. And she whispers, I can't. And it's an interesting moment because I feel like Ang Herod's been trying very hard to put on an air of, I know what I'm doing, I'm confident in myself, and now that she's stuck in the middle of this gunfight situation, and she's had a gun thrown in her lap, she's like, I suddenly realize just how sheltered of an existence I've been locked into all my life, and I feel inadequate for the situation at hand. Well, and what's what's interesting is, is I mean, because I, I was wondering is like, can she not do it because of, you know, what it represents and the whole idea of killing and all of that, especially being the one who has is pregnant right now? Mm. Or is it she doesn't know? Like, what's what's going through her head right now? It, just like sheer panic. But then I also ask, okay, so she, you know, it's it's taken out of her hands by, by Zoe Kravitz. Uh, it's her name, Toast, right? Yeah. Who, who takes it and, and clearly knows what she's doing, although she does take her time, but still, she knows what she's doing. And then it made me wonder, okay, so how does she know how to handle herself and, and load this rifle? Well, she's toast the knowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, so she knows. <laughs> of course she knows how to do this. That's her name, Andy. <laughs> like, if she didn't know these things, she wouldn't she be called would be, toast the knowing. She would be toast the ignorant, and that doesn't work. It's not, it's, it doesn't flow so well. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, what do you think? I think that I'm going to throw the female perspective card on the table here. And Herod has spent this entire movie being the leader, being the strong one. And in this moment, she fails. She can't be the strong one right now. 
And whether it's because she realizes how much death is around her and she can't participate in that, or she just doesn't know how to do it, or the feelings that she has been feeling with her belly the last few minutes have gotten her all discombobulated, we don't know. But right now, she can't be strong. Toast, she wants to be the strong one. Mm. I think she desperately wants to be the leader. And if it weren't for Angharid, she would be the leader. She is second to Angharid in the realm of like confidence and leadership qualities, ability to get things done. And she has an opportunity to pull ahead of Angharid here. And I think that's why she takes the opportunity with such gusto. Hmm. And there are looks. Once she takes the gun, saying, I'll do it, her and Ang Herod share a look. And it's not a nice look. I mean, I didn't think it was a very nice look, and I'm not I'm terrible no. at interpreting expressions. <laughs> I so. think that there is thinly veiled animosity in that look between the two of them. Yeah. Hmm. I would like to think that Toast is called the knowing because Toast looked at Ang Herod and said, Well, I'm not a tall, svelte, blonde woman. I'm pretty sure Toast is the shortest of the five. She is, yeah. Even though Cheeto is definitely the youngest. And so she probably looked at the physical differences between her and Angharid and said, yeah, well, I'm going to know all of the things. And so Toast probably knows how to load that rifle because maybe she found a manual. They've got this giant pile of books in the harem. Yeah, see, I don't think she really knows how to load the rifle. Do you think she's just good at guessing? I think she's faking it. Or (laughs) she... tried to peek around Max's arm when he was loading it and kind of caught enough that she has a rough idea of how to do it. Yes. I think the knowing part of her name is more about observation than book learning. I think she knows things because she pays attention. (laughs) It does make you wonder, though, if capable is capable of doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because just knowing does not mean that you can execute, right? Toast, toast the reloading was who we need. <laughs> yeah. And that's definitely not who we get. And it turns out that Toast the Knowing is not able to do it on time or sort of on budget, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and we ha- and has to be rescued herself. Right. What's the thing? It can be done quick, it can be done right, or it can be done cheap, and you can only choose two. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Toast, toast the two. That's all you get. Yeah. If all of the wives really embody their secondary monikers, what does that say about Cheeto? Like, is she just a the is fragile? She not <laughs> oh yeah, it's Cheeto the fragile. Yeah, it's Cheeto right. yeah, the yeah. fragile. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, she does embody her moniker. <laughs> and then, of course, you've just got <laughs> yeah. the dag. The dag, right? The just dag. you know, yes. Doesn't doesn't have the rest of her name yet. <laughs> well, neither neither really does capable. She's just capable. She's right. <laughs> it's not like capable the effortless. That's who we really need. <laughs> capable the sit back guys. I've got this. Right. Exactly. Capable, I've got this. <laughs> so once again, we've got this example, and I'm talking about the Rock Rider Chief, of someone who is so painfully good at their job that they're able to do amazing things. The Rock Rider Chief comes up behind the war rig. He launches himself off of a dirt ramp and lands on the very thin walkway atop the tanker. It is, I'd say, maybe four to five times wider than his tire. 
So in the overall grand scheme of things, it's not something that a normal person would have an easy time landing on. Right. Assuming a normal person is coming down on it on a moving vehicle from 30 feet and, what, 40, 50 miles an hour? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that the tanker is moving... I mean, moving, I could totally do that, but I, yeah. I just, I wouldn't. Like, <laughs> someone could jump off of a ramp and land on something this narrow if the thing that they were landing on wasn't right. moving. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would be so easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of being shot out of a cannon. You know, it's point and shoot. Just point. This is, there's a degree of complexity to this particular sequence that, that really is fantastic. But then he's able to like stop and land it, right? He lands it and then he's able to stop and focus enough to, to pull out his weapon. I think he's, he's extraordinary. He's superhuman. I kind of like the Rock Rider Chief's little grease gun holster thing on the front of his bike. It's very convenient because it's just forward of the handlebars. All he has to do is lean forward a little bit and then boom, there it is. It works really nicely for what he's trying to do there. You know, just it it slips out perfectly. It's very easy for him and he's able to just kind of whip it out as soon as he needs it and uh, and start getting ready to shoot. Uh, yeah, it, it's efficiency. And I think that's what these guys needed in order to... I mean, that's that's I think what these rock riders are really defined by is... I mean, these guys are on vehicles that are not going across the plains like everyone else. They are going up and down through these canyon walls. And so everything about them is about efficiency and lightness and making sure that they have what they need to just kind of, you know, stay as mobile as possible. And so I think in that term, I think it works really effectively for him. Not to mention they're really fuel efficient too. Yeah, absolutely. Tiny little engines like that, those are gas sippers. Nowhere near the war rigs level of consumption. Yeah, how long do you think it would have taken them to go through that giant tank that Furiosa was going to drop off for them? Oh, that would have lasted years. forever. Years. <laughs> <laughs> so Furiosa, seeing the Rock Rider Chief bearing down on her, pops down into the rig again, and she's holding out her hand to Toast, be like, the gun, give me the gun. And Toast is like, I it's not ready. Like, chill and there's no time to chill we can't be chilling everyone is screaming everyone is shouting it's not a stress-free environment yeah it's very it's very stressful and i mean obviously there's a guy in the back of your vehicle with a gun pointed at you so i i can understand why because he is in a position that a lot of these other riders weren't in you were there just kind of they have that one shot as they pass by this guy is sitting right on top of your vehicle pointing a gun mm -hmm. at you so it's it's not a good position to all of a sudden be to find themselves in yeah i mean these rock riders they live by the obi-wan rule you get the high ground and then it's all over <laughs> right well she already has her arm missing <laughs> <laughs> and, it's been, and it's been serving them well so far upgrade <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So the Rock Rider Chief, he sees Furiosa, and he has a few things to yell at her. He shouts, you, and then as he reaches for his submachine gun, he yells, we had a deal, and he opens fire. And there's no negotiation to be had here. I think he just wants to make sure that Furiosa realizes before he shoots her in the face that all of this is happening because you pinky swore, and you went back on that. And now I want my stuff. Which... I think it's fair. They no. had a deal. <laughs> I feel they like they upheld their end of the deal. 
Well, I feel like she did too for the most part. I mean, no, the she only didn't. the only thing that she didn't was the fact that there were more people behind her she than she didn't leave said. the fuel. Well, that's the kicker. Right. But then but she <laughs> they started shooting at her before they could do anything. She, they, I mean, they said, you know, you had what, three war parties coming behind you. You said there'd be a few people. Yeah. And and that's was like their trigger to start firing, you know? And I I don't know. I feel like if if she just said I'm sorry, my bad. Let me pull this real quick and you can have it. We'll get out of here. I don't know. I feel like it's very wishy-washy as far as who's at fault right here. Wow. I think what we need is we need a post-apocalyptic Judge Judy. We need a people's court scenario where, okay, hold off on the chasing. We're going to put Furiosa and the Rock Rider Chief in the people's court. Mm -hmm. You take them to court. And they're going to argue their thing, and then, you know, the judge will lay down, okay, yes, you should have left the fuel pod. No, you shouldn't have started shooting when you did. Yes, you brought more people than you originally suggested. By the way, where's the written contract? There's no written contract. It's all verbal. Well, you know, that's what happens in the people's court. No one ever has a written contract in the people's court. But... <laughs> you know the thing about those shows is there's always one party who's absolutely ridiculous but you know what the best part about those shows is both parties are paid by the show to appear as a plaintiff and defendant if you go on that show and your case is thrown out you still get paid for appearing on that show hashtag worth it okay and that's why we have the people appearing on the show that we do that's right (laughs) that's right welcome to american television that's how it works (laughs) absolutely (laughs) but i imagine that if this situation was brought to for instance auntie in barter town i think she would without a doubt just yell i don't want to have to deal with this pull out the wheel actually no the real question is who would spin the wheel? Would the Rock Rider Chief spin the wheel or would Furiosa, Furiosa spin the wheel? Furiosa would spin the wheel. All right, so Julia votes know. Furiosa. I don't know. I think they would both have to spin the wheel because the Rock Rider started shooting before she would have had a chance to do anything. Pete, what do you think? I I think I'm with the, the Furiosa on the wheel thing. I, uh, I don't know. I can't believe that we're having this much trouble <laughs> deciding... <laughs> Who's the good guy in Fury Road? (laughs) The Rock Rider Chief has horns on his head, and he's dressed like the devil. I think he's the bad guy here. You're right. Not to put too fine a point on it. (laughs) When we were talking about the initial deal-breaking down moment, we noted that all Furiosa had to do was unhook that fuel pod and then take off. And if the Rock Rider Chief wanted his fuel, he could just stay there in the canyon, blow the bridge, and then all would be taken care of. Like, sure, you've got three massive war parties bearing down on you, but just roll that fuel pot out of the canyon and go your merry way and let those war parties go on by you. No one is really spotless as far as the specifics of the deal are concerned. That's the judgment that I'm making. Oh. They're just, the rock riders are very serious negotiators. I think that's maybe what she didn't count on, is that they were going to just start shooting. Maybe. Uh, They just needed to exercise a little bit more patience is all. That's right. And Furiosa needed to walk a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that at this point, if Furiosa like threw her hands up and said, you're right, we had a deal, I'll complete the deal. (laughs) 
<laughs> that it was salvageable, that they could have said, okay, uh, we're going to slow down, we're going to stop, we're going to unhook. Right. Wait, wait, and wait, then wait, we're going to leave. Do over. And you're going to let us. We do this with my kids all the time. We say, okay, wait a minute, stop this. Let's erase all of that. And then we'll go back and we'll try it again. Yeah. I mean, never mind that Furiosa has killed a bunch of their guys. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, a score must be settled at this point. I think it's too late. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't think yeah, Furiosa would have been able right. to crawl out the top of the rig, climb <laughs> along the tanker, and then just hop down, unhook everything, and just push it away. <laughs> yeah, because like, they can't stop, because they they know that they, they've got uh, uh, Immortan Joe hot on their tail, too. Yeah. We saw that uh, very briefly in the last minute. And we keep getting little glimpses of it. Right, right. When you look past all of the riders, you can sometimes just peek out and see the Bigfoot trailing from behind but with all opportunity for negotiation out the window because the rock rider chief opened fire furiosa is taking cover in the rig and max pulls out the 38 special from the bullet bag and he fires through the back window and takes out the rock rider chief with one shot which hey good for max he's been wasting bullets so far this week and so it's nice to see him just one shot one kill taken care of (laughs) This is a whole blind squirrel and a nut thing with yeah. Max, right? Max, you know? <laughs> like, good for, good on you, man. Let's Don't get cocky. Yeah. Although, moment of silence for that back window, because there's no way you can replace that window like that in an apocalypse. Like, where are you going to find a window <laughs> that specific size? I'm still wondering why are there any windows ever? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. Oh. How are they not all broken? I just look at this situation and I'm like, great, now the back seat is covered in broken glass. They don't have a dust buster. They don't have a waste bin brush thing to clean up all that broken glass. And none of those rags are going to protect the wives if they sit on a piece of glass and just shift the wrong way. They're going to get a piece of glass in their butt. No shifting, ladies. Well, if it's tempered ladies. glass, no it'll shifting. be the nuggets. <laughs> right. And I think it is tempered because it does look like nuggets. Right. Yeah. Which are much easier to clean up and harder to cut yourself with. Yeah. Yeah. So that's helpful. (laughs) (laughs) But then we get to to my favorite uh, mini sequence in this thing where he's still got, he's got his gun, but what he looks like, did he pick up something new? Is that the, uh, so she picks up the blunderbuss flare gun, Mm -hmm. which is delightful. And this entire exchange, as he breaks out the window and she shoots the flare and the incendiary powder blows up everywhere and the screen goes from blue to red immediately, uh, is uh, really satisfying. Yeah. At this point, there's nothing I want more than to watch a guy get hit in the face with a flare. (laughs) So Max had to drop the 38 special. Maybe he only had one shot left because he picks up the Luger P08. And I love this little bit of teamwork between Max and Furiosa. Because in this action sequence here, this is the first real example that we've seen of them working together, largely out of necessity, really. But in this instance, Max sees that she has a flare gun and he knows that, okay, well, if you shoot that out a window, Rig's going to get full of gas. And so he shoots out the window for her. And I love how, and Pete, you called it, she pegs the rider square in the face. <laughs> and it just explodes with this beautiful red poof of smoke and i'm like what a way to go out (laughs) (laughs) what a way to go you got this giant bomb that you're holding on to and all of a sudden poof giant red cloud and yeah but that's not a kill shot is it no the kill shot comes when he bounces off the ground 
comes off of his motorcycle and hits the ground. Because that's not pretty. Oh, that is a rough hit. That angle is exceptional too. That angle under the truck is where you see them see the Bajay throw the motorcycle and the guy mm-hmm. uh, under that truck is just exceptional. Yeah, it's a great it's a great shot where the camera is like mounted onto the back of the bike as he mm-hmm. kind of kind of uh, hits the ground and kind of almost rolls right into it before before we cut under the truck. Truly, yeah, where we yeah. we we get the sort of bomb POV. <laughs> we're just <laughs> right. behind the bomb. I love right. it. I think this rock rider just barely misses hitting the spikes on the side of the tanker. And yeah. he definitely yeah, he would have close. stuck there, <laughs> which would have been pretty grisly. So it's a good Ooh. thing he didn't hit the spikes. Yeah, very much so. You know what would be an interesting count to keep is number of people who have died in this series through all four movies by being sucked underneath a rig. Ooh. Okay, well, first yeah. and foremost... Would you count Toe Cutter from the first movie? Because he was technically smashed against the front and no, then went under the wheels. No, it's gotta be I'm under. thinking just people who've come in from the side. Okay. Mm-hmm. And gotten sucked under. So that would be like the dude with the arm crossbow, the tent lover, who got sucked under the wheels. Yep. That would be like Warrior Woman, arguably, because she technically got sucked mm. under the wheels, although you could argue that was after she was shot by Wes. Well, it depends yeah. on if she was still alive when she got sucked under, yeah. which is debatable. I think she was clinging to life, but... Yeah. And then we don't get any rigs in Thunderdome. No. But... It's really just f- Fury Road and Road Warrior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to yeah. talk about the two movies that people really love in the series, you could it's... say the same thing. Yeah. It's the ones where people get sucked under the rigs. Yeah. I think people still really just don't give Thunderdome enough credit, but, you know, that's a whole other discussion for... About 107 different days that we had last year. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, uh, this is a, I mean, it's, it's a crazy scene, though, because, I mean, yeah, he does get kind of sucked under, under the rig. And uh, this, I, you know, I don't know. I can't quite tell. It looks like it's going so fast. It looks like just a giant thing of dynamite that he's holding or, you know, potentially like this bomb or whatever it is kind of in some sort of a case. But whatever it is, I mean, it's like... It doesn't go well for him. And then, of course, he's got this ignited bomb that he's carrying that, of course, leads to this fantastic explosion that that I'm honestly surprised watching this that it didn't actually blow the gas tank at the very back. Instead, it just kind of separates it conveniently. Yeah, we just I just want to raise one for this guy that he died sucked under the tires like he could have. If it were just a few feet further forward, he could have died, like, smashed into the sheet metal, like, spikes that are just above the tires, those front tires. Like, he is perilously close to, to bouncing up into those, <laughs> those, like, teeth coming off the side of the truck. Really, I mean, you know, this is a cleaner way to go. <laughs> I think it is the cleaner way to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the faster way to go, that's for sure. <laughs> So with the fuel pod free, it just kind of lists off to the side. We get a nice POV from Joe, and we can see the fuel pod. I guess the wheels aren't aligned the right way as it sort of careens off to the side, and it actually turns more and more severely as it goes to the point where it rolls into the side of the... Well, we're kind of in a canyon, but it rolls into some nearby rocks and completely explodes in this gigantic fireball. Right. The actual 
explosion from the actual bomb wasn't enough to do this, but rolling gently into the rocks <laughs> is what sets it off. That's uh, what I'm saying. But it sure yeah. looks good. It sure looks good. I'm sure yeah. there was some sort of valve that got ruptured yeah. and it started about pouring but it, is, it is on fire. The whole front yeah. of it is on fire. So yes. I, yeah, sure. And the, the actual explosion comes from the back not from the front where it makes contact with the boulder. So uh, lends credence to the valve theory. Mm. <laughs> but I love how big the explosion is. Because we've got an opening here, and the Bigfoot is driving by it. And as it explodes, we get a split-second shot right around second 42 of Joe's eyes getting wide as he realizes, oh, hey, fire! And then he just <laughs> plows right through it. And I love the image of the Bigfoot emerging from this fireball because it is so cool. Do you think it would have worked better for him if his eyes bulged? <laughs> like, <laughs> that would have been a better tie. Yes. I, think. <laughs> I think so. Yes. I don't know. I feel like you've, you've got to save Immortan Joe eye bulges for the really special <laughs> moments. You don't want to overdo it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler no, alert, we do get an eye bulge later in this movie. Right? <laughs> so, I don't want to say specifically what minute it is in, but it is coming yeah, sometime between, you know, week 20 and 24, somewhere in that range, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not too far away. Not, Not too, too far. far away. Yeah. It's one of Max's nightmares. We'll get to it when we get to it, you know. But yeah, but but you're right though about the flames coming out of those flames as you watch the Bigfoot kind of roll through them with with uh, Rictus up on the top as he's kind of protecting himself, I guess uh, as best he can from the flames. <laughs> and right around second forty five, you can see Rictus up on top of the Bigfoot and he's looking back at it like, "Oh wow, we just drove through that. <laughs> I was outside." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good thing wearing I didn't a shirt, have... and I'm still good... here. <laughs> and good thing I'm already bald. <laughs> oh, <God>. no. <laughs> that's why he was protecting himself. He was like, no, my eyebrows! <laughs> it's all that's I've all got left. <laughs> uh. What's really frightening is that there is one Imperator on either side of the Bigfoot, and they're just hanging off of the doors. So... Sure, there's an Imperator on Joe's right side, but there's also an Imperator on Joe's left side, and he really catches the brunt of the fire. And it's actually surprising when we see him in Friday's Minute that he's not a little bit more charred. <laughs> right. You know, I'm thinking of Iron Bar at the end of Thunderdome, coming out completely suit-covered. <laughs> Yeah, the one on the right side, I mean, he smartly is like, it looks like he's almost like kind of laying himself down along the very side edge of the truck. And and even if the one on the left side of Bigfoot is doing that, you're right. I mean, he's his whole back should at least be covered. <laughs> yeah, because those Imperators, they don't have the protection of the high SPF chalk dust slash antacid <laughs> that the War Boys cover themselves in, you know. We were talking a little while back about what does Nux taste like because the dag bites him. And so we figured, well, maybe he's just covered <laughs> he in like acid. acid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple seconds later, around second 47, we get the cool guys don't look at explosions moment for the war rig. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally what that, minute, that second is. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're just driving away from this. <laughs> And, and Pete, you mentioned on Monday the whole every frame of painting sort of thing. 
Yeah. Just seeing this gigantic war rig speeding away from this blooming explosion is so great. It's so great. And then we get a reverse shot of it from up on top of a hill. And a couple of rock riders show up and they're looking at this big old mushroom cloud. And there's no dialogue in this moment. There's no subtitles. There's nothing in the script. But in my own mind, I can just hear one of those rock riders going, oh, shucks. That was yeah. ours. That was ours. <laughs> well, there goes the fuel. It is. It's such a funny thing. Like we I, do. Do you think there's any regret that maybe they played a part in destroying the fuel themselves <laughs> through their own eggs? Like Oops. maybe this is like the pause of shame. Like you guys, we never learn. Like, we never. Learn. <laughs> like one of the rock writers turns to the other and he's like, "Maybe we shouldn't have started shooting when we did." R- right? You know, it was gas. <laughs> <laughs> But but I have to say I do love this shot because it's a it's kind of a well deserved break between action major action sequences and even though it's what like three seconds tops like it is it's a chance to to just sort of take a very brief breath and look at the scope of what just happened before they start assaulting you again like for some I just need I need this wide shot to regain sense of of space uh, it's a it's a really smart break from being so close to and living in it it feels like the visual chapter end saying well that's right. the end of the rock riders chapter we mm-hmm. finished that one now we'll kind of continue the the pursuit of joe now that he's right on their tail yeah it's the sand people on the bluff it reminds me of road warrior at the very end when the rig had flipped over and kind of the dust was settling almost exactly the same there was a group of a few of the horde stopped far away in the distance and just seeing the carnage and going, okay, that's done. And going back to their own business. Kicking the dust a little bit, (laughs) feeling a little foolish. Well, shucks, there goes Among Us. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I like to think that these guys are now up here going, so I think I'll be chief now. Yeah. They're they're having their little debate now. You're going to be chief? You want me to be? I'll do it this time? Do you want to? No. Really? <laughs> like, should we rock, paper, scissor for it? And then all three of them throw out a different sign. And it's like, well, that's not going to work. Best two out of three. Oh, no. They would all throw there's rock. No, there's no, yes, there's no paper or scissors. <laughs> One, two, three, rock. One, two, three, rock. Why does nobody ever win this game? I was told someone would win. <laughs> they just stay up on that hill. <laughs> and when we come back at the later right. end of the movie, we pass those same three rock riders. One, two, three, rock. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. With the rock riders out of the picture, we get a nice tracking shot across the war rig. We see Max still driving and Furiosa and the wives through the window. And coming up behind them is Rictus on the back of the Bigfoot. And he is laying on that flamethrower thick. Yeah, he's just playing. Well, how often does he get to play with his flamethrower? He's going hog wild. I imagine that Rigdis gets to play with his flamethrower whenever he wants. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> you think so. Wants. <laughs> I feel like he saw that that fireball go off that he drove through. He's like, oh yeah, the flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, he's like amped up. Because then, because we don't see him using it until after he's gone through that that giant fireball. He's like, oh yeah, let me turn that thing on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right it's he's the guy he's like the sound guy on a shoot that almost forgets to press record he's like, oh <laughs> thank god i turned this on i'm so that would have been embarrassing 
the boss would have been really mad. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's beautiful. I'm I question why. I mean, I know he there's he's probably doing it just to be threatening, but he is he does crank it maybe a little prematurely. Wouldn't you think in a world a universe in which fuel was scarce, you wouldn't be cranking that flamethrower at nothing? Oh, well, see, that's the beauty of Gastown. <laughs> Truth. Is that fuel's not scarce anymore. Fuel's not scarce there, right? Now it's that's water. True. You I mean, don't right, want to be babies. you don't want to be the guy hanging off the left side again because that flamethrower <laughs> is just right over his head. Like Yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of world where you can be wasteful with your flamethrower, but heaven help you if you pull out the super soaker and start wasting water. <laughs> you know what that would be if you pull that out on top on top of Immortan Joe's drug. That's a power move. Right. right there. We are going to we are going to wash your truck right now. I mean, it really needs it. Based on them going through the atomic storm and then putting down the cow catcher and throwing the dirt everywhere, they need to go to the local car wash and just go through a couple of times. And yeah, we can, they can go through it twice. They don't care. Yeah. You just got to be careful if you go through the self-serve car wash with those hoses. You can't let it get the best of you because that thing will start whipping around and then you'll look like a fool on the internet. I don't think they <laughs> should go through the auto car wash because they have several broken windows. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. And all that soap and water will get inside. Oh, and in your eyes. That really stings. Yeah. They don't have Johnson & Johnson No Tears shampoo in a car wash. <laughs> it's like all <laughs> tears. It's like a car wash of self-care. <laughs> it's just it's just like kind kind lotions, maybe some scents. <laughs> There's always incense burning. This is definitely a world that could use something like that cuz you look at all the people in this <laughs> and there is no one that smells good. Oh yeah. There is no chance of that. Even the wives who are kept in a hermetically sealed dome and wash themselves with water, even then. I mean, I guess if you like natural scents, quote unquote yeah. natural <laughs> Sense. The, ew, yeah. the who word natural the sense? word you're looking for is musk. Yes. <laughs> and on that musky note, <laughs> it brings us to the end of today's episode. So come back on Friday because Rictus is going to be scolded and told to rein in his flame throwing. Ang Herod is going to deploy Operation Human Shield, and Nux is going to kindly offer to Pike Furiosa in the spine. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 56 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time. <laughs>